Clarence Waldron, welcome back to, to Black Muse. Tonight's guest is Troy Pryor. He is the founder and chairman of XL Film Festival in Chicago. This is the only black-owned film festival in Chicago. This is a major, major deal. He's also head of uh, Creative Cipher, and he also was, well, is the uh, co-chair of the Harvest Film Festival here in Chicago. So I think he knows a little bit about film. Hmm, let's get started. Hey, what's up? I'm good. All right, all right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's start at the b b very beginning. You've always dreamed of this Excel film situation. Tell me more about how, how did it get started? You know, it really came about um, as a means to an end. The goal was to create platforms for black and brown creators, and that's what Creative Cipher, the organization, was built on. So we would support creators, help them bring their projects to life, do grant programs, all of the different things, connect them with uh, industry professionals. And so what we launched first was the Accelerator Development Lab, which is a 12-month, um, six to 12-month lab to help rising creators gain access to resources so they can bring their concepts to life, their television concepts to life. The festival came about because we wanted to provide them a showcase opportunity. So once they complete that process, how does the world know about their projects? So we wanted to do that, and we first partnered with other film festivals, but as you mentioned earlier, a lot of those film festivals were, if they were black targeted, they were not necessarily black owned. So we wanted to make sure that there was alignment, and that's really where the festival came from. Okay, okay. Now what's the purpose of the uh, mission of the festival? What's the purpose of the? So there are three main objectives with the festival. Number one, there's no destination film festival in Chicago, meaning that uh, people around the country are not necessarily um, booking their tickets in advance to come to some of the existing film festivals like they do for the music festivals. When you think about Lollapalooza, when you think about some of the other music festivals, you immediately know that you need to leave early, you gotta change your travel plans. It's just, a, it's a part of the city's um, atmosphere now and so we want to be able to do that with this festival uh, similar to how Sundance South by Southwest is in other parts of the country mm -hmm. so that's number one creating a tourism opportunity number two is creating a market most film festivals uh, in general but especially the ones in Chicago are more showcases which is great however that only means that if you're a creator uh, we're the most that you'll get out of that is possibly an opportunity to show your work. Maybe you win an award. Uh, maybe you get a. Maybe even win some money out of that. Well, a market is different. A film market is different. That means that when you're creating your project, you have the opportunity to sell or license. So there's some transactions that go on, and that's one of the things that we've been doing with the organization. So we're going to implement that into the the festival. That means that if you're a creator, you're not only going to get the opportunity to show your work, but you also have buyers that are attending the festival that are a part of this because they're specifically looking to license and acquire content. That's a huge plus wow, for a creator. Yeah, yeah, okay, very well thought out. Yeah, now you have some big names coming, Robert Townsend yeah. and Dion Cole. Tell me about that, what would they do and all of that? 
Well, uh, uh, this really cool guy a long time ago connected me with Robert Townsend. Um, let me see, who, who, who was that? Who was that guy? Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I appreciate that. It's so amazing how God works, how things come full circle. But uh, we're very blessed that uh, uh, Robert Townsend has agreed to um, be one of the speakers. Uh, the fact that he's from Chicago and what he's done with his career and what he's doing now, it just makes so much sense uh, for him to be a part of this uh, this component here. So we're, we'll have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Robert Townsend on day two of the festival. Uh, so we're really excited about that. We'll talk about his journey. And obviously he's dropping gems for those in the audience, nice. uh, which he's nice. which he does so often, which we're just grateful to be uh, to, to be in the mix. And then Dion Cole, uh, another Chicagoan. Indeed. I was fortunate enough to work with a couple years ago, who's doing amazing things as well. We've got some few other folks from Chicago involved, like Lil Rel and a few other people. So we're just excited because um, it's great to have them on stage, but uh, it's amazing that so many of the people on stage are from Chicago. Right, right, right. So tell us the date of the festival. We haven't said that yet. Tell sure. Me. So the XL Film Festival is August 18th through the 20th. The first day is in Bronzeville, day two is in Hyde Park, and day three is back in Bronzeville. Okay. We're in Bronzeville. So we'll be at the legendary uh, Parkway Ballroom uh, on the on August 18th, so the first day. So we're taking over the Parkway Ballroom. We have all of our uh, programming and uh, speaking engagements and screenings going on that day. We build out the AV on the inside, and on the outside, we're taking over the parking lot and doing a big drive-in movie experience uh, at, at Parkway. The next day in High Park, we're at the Polsky Center on 53rd, uh, yes. right with the University of Chicago, so all of the activity will be inside there. Okay. All right, very, very, very well thought out. Now, you're the founder of Creative Cypher, and your goal is to eliminate the need for permission. That quote just grabbed me. Mm -hmm. What did you mean by that? So we used to say not asking for permission, and that still <laughs> indicates that something has to be said. We wanted to make sure that the creators were so unlimited that there was never even a conversation needed. The only way to do that, from our perspective, was ownership. So that's really where it goes. That's really where it comes into play. So when you think about the business model for Creative Cipher, it was all built uh, in an effort to have stake or ownership in the supply chain of content creation because there's so many creators, uh, especially creators of color for generations that have been able to create masterpieces but may have not owned that work. Or even if they created it and even if they owned it uh, are still not uh, in a place where media can, uh, where they can control the narrative around that. So we look at five different sectors as content, uh, live events, which was uh, like film festivals, screening opportunities, distribution, marketing, and media. And so if we can have a stake uh, in all of those five areas, it will allow us to have uh, to own the supply chain. So that helps us empower creators so they're, they don't get to a door and they're still waiting to get in somehow. Mm, okay, okay. Now you also are co-chair of the Black Harvest Film Festival. When does that, when does that happen? So this year, that's going to happen. That will happen in November. Uh, okay. Historically, it happened in the summertime, and the pandemic, everything got pushed back. So we moved that back. That's at the Gene Sisko Film Center. I've been the co-chair of that festival for the past uh, for the past uh, four years. I sat on the council before that, and prior to that, uh, I was an actor in the festival and a speaker. And they asked me to co-chair it uh, a couple of years ago. So you know, we're really excited about that. That 
program is a, a function of the Gene Siskel Film Center and the School of the Art Institute. Okay. Let's plug the festival. Where can we get tickets and all that? So uh, to get tickets for the XL Film Festival, those will go live on eventnoir.com. Uh, you'll be able to go to creativecipher.org and you can see all of the information there. Click on that ticket, get your ticket and come out. All right. Is there any must-see films that you've heard of that we need to go check out? Yeah, there's one, there's one film that we're really excited about. Uh, it's called uh, Mr. Abbott. Hmm. Um, and it's about the founder of The Defender. So uh, oh. one of the filmmakers uh, on our team's great-grandmother actually played a role in uh, ensuring he had an office space when uh, he was you know, uh, building that empire from the very beginning. And um, I don't want to give too much away from that, but it's just an amazing piece with, uh, with, the, with the narration and spoken word. And it's a really great piece by Patrick Wimp, who was actually the head of the film school at Second City. Uh, and okay. one of my creative partners, uh, we, we sold the project to Warner a couple of years ago. So we're really excited about that piece. Wow. And um, yeah. it's actually something that we're going to continue to work on and, and grow into an even bigger project. Okay. All right. Now, I know you as an actor. So have you sort of left that behind to get behind the scenes in the film world? Or where are you with that? I would say uh, I took more of a lateral step. And for me, it was uh, I remember waiting to hear back from a casting director um, for a particular project and it just dawned on me and I, I said this can't be it this can't be it where I'm just waiting for someone to, to say we like you or my career is in the hands of someone else and I, I had always been blessed I come from a family full of clergy and community leaders so even though I was on projects as a talent uh, there were some transferable skills that allowed me to uh, function on sets where my counterparts may have not been able to. And so what that means is I'm, I'm connecting with everybody on set. So over a couple of years, I walk away with this huge Rolodex and eventually I look at my phone and I say, why am I waiting for a casting director to give me a shot? And I already know who the casting director is working for. <laughs> you know, I already know all these people. And sometimes, you know, when you count your blessings, you realize what you already have access to. But uh, systematically, um, in a variety of ways, we're, we're taught to wait for the opportunity instead of creating it. And sometimes we don't even realize what we have the potential to do. Uh, and so for me, that lateral step was not to no longer act. It was just to make sure that I was also putting energy ensure that to ensure that I could create my own opportunities to do that. And then that's that spawned my career as a producer, an executive producer. Got it, got it. And you were on Chicago Fire. Yeah. What kind of experience was that? It was a fun experience. It was one of the the, the main projects I worked on. Um, I had done a lot more commercials and voiceover work. Uh, candidly, it was a great experience, but from a business standpoint, it was um, it, I would not pick that over the commercial work because the commercial work comes with a different type of residual, and it's Achoo. not yeah. It's Achoo. so it's like. Achoo. Do you want to be famous or do you want uh, <laughs> do you want to be, do you want to have you know a check? So it's it's good to have on your resume, uh, but one of the things that even in that experience uh, was very sobering is 
the character I played restricted me from doing anything else in the entire uh, Dick Wolf world of shows. So it was great to begin with, but I could no longer audition for Chicago uh, PD, oh, yeah. for Med, or any of the other shows for a total of three seasons. Ooh. So that sound and it looked great, Ooh. but it also restricted me from doing other things. And I understand it because from a production standpoint, you need continuity. Right. Like we just right. saw this guy as this role and these three shows are connected, so we right. can't bring him back. Right. So totally understand it. Right. But from right. my vantage point, that limited my ability to do other things. Mm. So it became another um, point of reference to know like that sounds good. And every, being in front of the camera is great. Uh, being a talent is awesome. But depending on how you navigate that experience, it could limit you from other things. Right, got it. Now, go back. You played football at the University of Illinois. And what was your, your degree in? What, what was your communications. Degree? So oh, I was in communications okay, at, okay. at U of I. Okay. Uh, and it's done very well for me. Okay, yeah, it has. Yeah, yeah, yes, indeed. So, but how has it helped you exactly, even now? You know, I always tell people, even to this day, I didn't realize the, the skill set that I was picking up even before I got to U of I. And U of I, you know, going through the different curriculum that I went through just gave me some other tools to work with. But social media has been such a blessing in a variety of ways. But it's also um, it's also restricted or stifled some of the interpersonal communication skills that uh, earlier generations have had and you had to use. And so what I've noticed in, in my walk of life, especially as a... Um, when I was elected to some of the boards, I was the youngest in the history elected to the Screen Actors Guild Board Chicago. So I just noticed that I had the ability to navigate conversations uh, a bit differently. And th that helps in an abundance of ways, sure, no matter sure. what profession. And it, it's great that I knew how to uh, you know, operate on a stage so I could, yeah, I could pull some I could pull some skills from being a showman, but uh, that skill set, being able to communicate, whether it's interpersonal, whether it's public speaking, whether it's media related, it is a game changer, uh, especially if you're working in, inter in entertainment. Right, right. Now you also have your own podcast. Yes. Where can we listen to that? So you can listen to the Cypher Live podcast on Spotify and Apple. If you go to creativecypher.org, you can just click on podcast and it'll take you to that as well. Uh, and that really all came about because during the pandemic, I was just doing so many uh, interviews and uh, virtual roundtables and just talking to folks. And I said, you know, I might as well use this and turn it into some some type of content so i'm uh, really excited about the show we just started it last year okay. got some really great guests on and so we're excited of the direction it's going now yeah good good now this is our video podcast black news and i always ask everybody who inspired you when you look back at your life who said i think that choice is going to be somebody he's going to make it who were your early early cheerleaders, if you will? Wow, that is, um, you know, how do you narrow that down? Uh, I listen to um, one of the one of the gentlemen that has inspired me um, in the past, Lewis Carr. He talks about waymakers, and it's no one waymaker. But um, I always pay homage to someone who I actually never met in person, mm -hmm. and that's my great grandfather. He was a, a very prominent minister. 
Uh, it helped start congregations around the country and was known as the peacemaker when um, congregations were having doctrinal disputes. But you wouldn't know he he passed to this day just because of the um, way in which my family's treated in certain circles. That his impact was tremendous on my family. But what it did was it's it started a mindset within my family to become entrepreneurs, to be self-educated, um, to be community leaders. And it would be difficult for me to pick one person just because my family's played such a huge role. But if I say my family's played such a huge role, I have to go back to my great-grandfather because yeah. of what he instilled. He's got scholarships named after him. There are like wow. two buildings with his name on it. So when I see that, I can't help but be uh, be inspired. And of course, along the way, there have been coaches and mentors that have um, added, you know, right. fuel right. to that. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. Um, I also saw something on Facebook that you and your wife have two children now. Yes. So how has fatherhood changed you, <laughs> How has it not? Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I have a three, Ooh. I have a uh, soon-to-be three-year-old. Uh, he's home from school right now. <laughs> and then we've got a six-month-old. Um, so my son is just such an amazing, like brilliant, this gifted kid. Um, so it, 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 it goes back to even somewhat of my conversation about my, my great-grandfather is that I see legacy now. I think about the things that I'm a part of and how does it affect my children? How does it affect uh, those around uh, him? Like what example am I setting? Uh, it definitely puts so many other things into perspective. As you can tell, uh, I've been very fortunate to be a part of a lot of things, but um, I had to step back from quite a few things mm -hmm. at a certain point just to make sure that uh, I was prioritizing. And so obviously priorities change. And then now with the uh, with, uh, um, baby girl, that adds a whole other component <laughs> okay. to things where I'm like, all right, my son's over here. I'm like, all right, go sit down. And okay. I'm like, baby girl, I'm like, okay, it's okay. <laughs> Okay. So, yeah, so it definitely helps, and um, time management becomes so critical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, we, we have to mention your wife's name just because, yes. don't forget about her. Yes, my lovely wife, Kim, uh, who we, had, we actually met in college, and we actually worked in entertainment for some time together. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, well, we're done. Anything else that you would like to share? Since you dropped by here, anything else on your mind? Well, I just want to say I'm grateful. Yeah, I'm just blessed. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Uh, I've been putting in work for quite a long time, and uh, the momentum is building up. We're excited about where things are going. I appreciate you bringing me on. Hopefully you all can come out and check out the, uh, the festival, uh, which is August 18th through the 20th uh, in uh, Bronzeville and Hyde Park. Uh, and the one thing I will say is that this year, this summer, is a kickoff because this is just a three-day activation. We're actually planning the 10-day activation for summer 2024 right now as oh, well. Wow. So we're, we're already excited about uh, the direction this is going even next year. All right. Good enough. Well, thank you. And you heard it here first. And that is all. Click like and subscribe. Thank you, bud. Thank you. It's good. Appreciate good, good. you. Yes, indeed. All right. Thank <laughs> you.